0: What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Triple H podcast. Happy hour hoops. We got a couple of guests today from the two hours no traffic pod. We got Billy Brandon in the house and Spenny, recurring guest, Spen Harris here. How we doing today, fellas?
1: Good to be here, guys.
0: You. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We got a uh, we got loaded show. We're gonna break down the entire Eastern Conference because about everyone in this panel right now has a horse in the race, except for Steve. But he'll he'll let us know when our <laughs> bias is showing. You I'll have to, a betting I
2: mean, horse, Donnie. Don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> He's always got to play in it, even if he doesn't have a team in it, folks. Uh, but yeah, I mean the East is crazy this year. We're gonna get full breakdown of that. Talk about some of those teams on the outskirts, talk about you know some surprises, talk about mm-hmm. Spenny's Nets, because we haven't had him on since the whole ordeal with the Nets. Um
3: what, what there, that, was, there was there was there every time we talk. I was gonna say,
4: every time we've talked to Spenny, there's been a nets ordeal to talk about. There's always right. been a nets ordeal. Now we don't have a nets ordeal, they have the fallout. So, we're making sense.
0: <laughs> so, we'll be we getting to all of that. Uh, we, we got to go news and notes first because that's that's how we start every show. Um, you know, before like noon today, I thought we we're just going to talk about how. John Morant was in that counseling program in Florida because that was before today, the, the latest update we had. Uh, he's already out of the counseling. We, we found out he could get an eight-game suspension, or he is going to get an eight-game suspension from the NBA. Um, and then the one-on-one interview came out today where he's kind of pleading that, you know, that's not who he is. The gun wasn't his. He needs to clean up his act. So, you know, a lot of the same with what we heard, but we actually heard it from John Morant today. I mean, just initial reaction from this. The eight-game suspension, kind of crazy. You know, we, we heard it was going to be two games at first from the Grizzlies, eight games now from the league. I feel like probably a fair punishment. I think a lot of people are thinking he might be done for the year. But, I mean, what are your guys' initial reactions here? Whatever order we want to go in.
4: I mean, we just said – the main thing we said last week was we wanted him to get better and get whatever kind of help and break he needed and hopefully – this was it this is definitely a lot shorter of a time frame than i wanted or not wanted i should say but expected um thought there would be a little more and i wonder what the story is behind that i hope we get some kind of reporting on what actually the process entailed for him to come back and kind of work his way back or if it was just the grizzlies were kind of just like no it's kind of time to do this let's let's get this you know wrapped up and figured out whatever it is i hope that it helped him kind of get settled and like we talked about a little bit before it's it, he took accountability for his actions it seemed like and everything else so uh let's hope it's moving forward out of this more than anything else yeah i mean i think it's progress
2: right it, it's a good thing to get out and, and obviously we knew there's a suspension coming i didn't think it was going to be eight games that feels a little aggressive but i mean maybe it's a wake-up call to job maybe it's a wake-up call, call the playoffs get your act together Exactly, and it's also Ja too. Like I think we were talking about this a little bit before we went live. He's taking responsibility finally, first time. Ja, like he actually answered questions. He actually talked about it. It's not Ja acting like this tough guy anymore. He, he's taking responsibility, and hopefully, the eight game suspension is a wake up call that hey, like the NBA's better with you in it. Ja, you are one of the faces of the league going forward. If you can just stay out of trouble and you can just focus on basketball. Everyone loved John Moran on the court. I mean, he's an electric-type superstar player, so hopefully he can get back to that, and I'm, I'm hoping that we're making progress.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's no need for me to echo what you guys already said about you know the league process about it and him getting better and all. Um, I think you get a nail on the head. For me, what I'm most interested in seeing is how he reintegrates into the Grizz now that he's back. Because if you remember what came out, I think it was a day or two after the gun ordeal that, you know, Steven Adams held the players-only meeting where the vets kind of addressed the young guys. Hey, look, we got to tighten it up. Don't make a fool yourself on the road. Don't do like X, Y, and Z at these clubs. And then Ja kind of took that a little bit as like, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm going to do it anyway. So there's going to be some hurt feelings working him back into the lineup, I think.
3: Point. Yeah, I – uh I, I definitely think that we've all made a mistake on social media in our lives. You know, we regret a post here and there. Simple mistake. He, he, he saw the fallout. He saw the reaction of everybody. And, you know, the NBA has a history with his stuff. We go back to Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Criditon back in the day. We have a, the NBA has a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to guns. So I think Ja kind of learned that pretty quickly. And the only unquestioned answer – or the, the only answer – I don't have a question, for, uh, question I don't have an answer for yet – Is whose gun was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's it. That's all I got. True.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you would assume, you know, someone in the entourage or whoever he was at the strip club with. And by the way, those strip club pictures that surfaces were absolutely crazy that those got out. It's crazy (laughs) that those got out.
4: (laughs) I I mean you can't see the floor. You can't see the floor. There's so much money there. It's it's wild. In the this NBA season, we have gotten footage that we would never have seen before. And that's that strip club footage and the punch, the Draymond punch on pool. Things we would have never seen before any other year. And twice this year. Like if that's the future of the NBA, we are going to see some incriminating ass shit in the future because (laughs) That strip club was crazy, guys. That looked that's like, straight out of
2: Grand Theft Auto. I that, see
4: how that that's nice. club was. <laughs> Once I saw the strip club, I understood the video so much more. I was like, they were just lit. Dude didn't even know what he was doing. He woke up the next morning and was like, What did I do? Oh my like, there's no way. Like it, it was a it was a night in there. But that's the NBA, like you said, Spenny. Like, we know the NBA has a zero a zero tolerance with that kind of situation, but we know the lifestyle a lot of these guys are living and everything else. It's not And he's twenty two years old. They're twenty one years old. Like, this is not a shocking situation or anything at all. If it was somebody that we just knew in our lives that did this, wouldn't think anything of it. Would you think you think that was dumb, but you wouldn't really think anything of it. So, that's where I'm at at this point. I think.
0: Yeah. Last thing on jaw, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on this too. Is you know before the the length of the suspension came out, people were starting to form opinions on the all NBA money that Jaw could miss out on. I mean, he misses out on 39 million. If he doesn't make an all NBA team, I don't think an eight game suspension, you know, added to the time he's already missed would impact that as much. Like, I think he still has a fair chance if he keeps up the level of play, he was at before to get an, some sort of all NBA team and get that, you know, incentive. But I was just wondering if you guys think, you know, the, this stuff off the court, the off the court drama in general, will affect that, or the eight the missing of eight games, or any of this situation, could that impact the All NBA
4: selection and then, therefore, the money after that? I would hope not. At least, I, I like for me, eight games isn't isn't enough to do anything. And if we're keeping All NBA just for strictly basketball, I think he is very deserving of one of those slots at this point. He doesn't have to be first team. I don't think. And I think that's yeah, where you can knock he he for that. I, I don't
2: think he will be first. No, two. but he's he's played fifty
4: three games. I think that's enough, right? Depends. I What's the cutoff going to be? What do we I know? We need to know. True. Now? <laughs> that's the next. Is that our next note too?
0: Yeah, I guess we can just segue right into that. I mean, we we found out that the Players Association and the NBA, you know, Commissioner's Board and all of those guys with the fancy suits have been talking about. You know, electing to change the criteria around end of season awards, whether that be MVP, I think most notable is what they talked about, and then all NBA selections as well. And this is, I mean, this is something that I think it's ultimately good for the league. It can take out some of the argument in the MVP conversation, and then it probably makes it a little more clear. And then obviously, it's an it's an incentive for guys to start playing you know, the load management stuff. We've heard a bunch of young players speak out about it. Anthony Edwards talking about, you know, it's funny coming from him. He's like still very young and hasn't probably felt any injuries to his young body yet, but talking about how guys should just play. And that's kind of how he's brought up in this league. Josh and how Hart he said won. that
4: a couple of weeks ago too. Yeah. yeah Josh Hart's way.
0: quote was awesome, man. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was pretty cool to for him to just give a shout out to the you know, the, the normal living people who have 9 to 5s are waking up at 6 a.m. to do the dirty work, but, yeah, what do you, I mean, I'm sure you guys love this. I, I'm definitely in favor of this, but How
3: many games, any,
4: how many games should it be right. out of 82? I mean, like, 80%, right? I think that's fair. 75, I, I 80, like, that's what I was thinking, too.
3: Also, I, I get it, and I, I like the rule, but Is there ever a case where somebody misses so many games and still wins an award? How how many cases have there been like that? That's a
4: great point. Like, how many times are we, like, how many guys have won it when they actually played, like, 50 games in the MVP race?
3: Right, and usually that determines who wins it. Like, if a guy's playing great, but he misses 10 games, and a guy's playing a little less good, but he plays every game, I feel like you're going to give it to the guy who doesn't miss games,
4: right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So it actually I, came up. Um, I think it was Jokic's first, um, his first MVP. Um, Joel had a spectacular season. I think he was either won the scoring title or was just shy. But he had COVID and he had um, like right. a knee injury. So he missed I think twenty mm-hmm. something games, and that was kind of the big issue because his numbers that season were better than Jokic, but he was mm-hmm. he was, wasn't playing. Right. So that's kind of where the debate started. I'm glad they finally did fix it. I know that sounds funny coming from a guy whose star player does miss a lot of time, but I think just for the league as a whole, it's it, it's just a good it's a good move to kind of curb some of this um, load management.
4: Yeah, and I think part of it too is like the incentive shit that they load into there for A awards and B All NBA. Like if you like if you're paying a guy that much money and he has these incentives that he wants to hit for all NBA and he thinks that he can still get all NBA third team playing 50 games, it's like, that's shitty for the team. So the team I think would be incentivized to be like, Hey, let's have our star players want to try to play, you know, if it's 60 games, if that's our 70 or 65 games, somewhere around there for 75, 80%. That's fair to the teams. I think who are paying $200 million to a guy that they want on the court more than 45 times a year. Agreed. (laughs)
3: You know who's super pissed off about this rule, though, is Kawhi Leonard.
4: That's like the one guy that comes to my head. He's
3: probably steaming angry right now.
2: Absolutely. But I think it's also not just fair to the team, fair to the fans, right? I think the main reason they're doing this is because they want to not have situations where star players are just taking random games off each week. And to your point, Kawhi Leonard is the perfect example of that. Like, Kawhi will just make up these – phantom injuries or rest whatever you want to call it just because he doesn't want to play in back to backs and i think the nba i don't think it's going to be a huge change i don't think we're going to see a lot of drastic changes with it but i think it's going to improve a little bit just having these superstar type players you know not last minute be like oh i'm a healthy scratch from this game or you know healthy scratch from the game and i think that's fair to not only their team but to the fans because you've seen this so many times where fans will talk about hey The NBA is a star-driven league, right? They're going to games to watch these superstars. If someone's coming to your home city that you see maybe once or twice a year, and you're like, hey, I want to watch LeBron. LA's traveling to New York tonight. And then LeBron's not playing, which LeBron would always play in the garden. It's not a great example, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. People are going to be pissed off. So it's one of those things where it's like not many fans can go to 41 home games a year not many fans go to more than a couple games a season and it's kind of unfair to them if a superstar last minute is like oh I'm not playing tonight so I think this is kind of the NBA's way of saying you know if you're hurt obviously you're hurt but they don't want these last seconds the superstars like I'm not going to play tonight because we got a back-to-back
4: and I think that's fair to the team
2: and to the fans
4: and there's no other sport you literally have to think about this with like, hockey night to night is guys are literally limping out there doing whatever, baseball day to day, like those guys, I mean that's a different situation and football's obviously so many games in baseball just, you can yeah, exactly you're gonna expect guys to miss something. It's just like but there's yeah. this is such a poignant like basketball issue, and it's crazy that it's just about playing the games. Like it's literally well, just about being on the court baseball gets away
2: with it because a guy will have like a broken nail and be on the 15-day DL Like and then the that first time I ever, away with the
4: it. first time I ever saw a pitcher miss a start for a blister oh. I tell you I was the most confused little kid in <laughs> my life I was like reading the sports everything like am I missing something like what happened he has a blister and he's not playing the game I couldn't wrap my head around yeah. that so
0: yeah so uh, you know overall I think it's positive I think you guys are right though like it doesn't. It hasn't usually affected the MVP too much in the past. You know, maybe this will be also kind of injected into the All Star voting as well. I I kind of hope that to be true, but we'll see. It seems like it's still a work in progress. But there'll definitely be some sort of change or um, minimum game requirement to win uh, end of season awards. But let's get down to the business now. The beast of the Eastern Conference. It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's the best I've seen the Eastern a while, but definitely the most exciting and competitive yeah. I've seen just one through like one through like six, seven this year. Even yeah. the eight seeds going to be interesting and the plan should be interesting towards the end. Um, let's start with happy Our hoop. First time guest here. Let's start with you, Philly Brando. How, just, just give us where you're at right now with the Sixers. I mean, they've been crazy hot since the all-star break. Um, overall season thoughts is joel the mvp and what whatever else you have for us
1: all right well since since i'm a guest in your house i'll save my pessimism for when spence and i do our weekly um our <laughs> listeners are numb to it by now it's just i've been hurt so many times but i'm gonna i'm gonna do it again just because it makes for a good broadcast i think this the ceiling for this year's team is is a title i think they're hot right now. Tyrese Maxey being back in the starting lineup gives them that third scoring punch that we've never really had. Um, Tobias Harris has never been that. Um, I'm a little higher on him than most people. I think he's been a great steadying force when Embiid can't get it going in the off chance, but he's not He's not Tyrese Maxey. So we're, we're a more talented team than we've been before. We're a deeper team than we've been before. Um, being able to bring a guy like Anthony Melton off the bench is definitely the best sixth man we've had. Um I would probably say since Ersan Ilyasova way way back um
4: Damn. So I, he was he yeah. was great he was great during that run yeah. that Ilyasova was
1: I, I was sad when he left I was irrationally sad for losing a guy <laughs> like Ersan Ilyasova who went on to do nothing anywhere else but he was great for us Um but yeah I, I think this is a team that absolutely should be at the very least in the Eastern Conference finals I think any less than that you see a huge shakeup um, like I mean, right now we're hanging right with Cleveland. Uh, so we're not going to – the first round is going to be easy. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but the first round I'm, I'm confident. There's not a team that we're going to face in the second round that I can tell you guys for sure seven games, I'm not worried. Boston scares me to death. Same bad. with Milwaukee. Um, and there's no easy out. Cleveland's not an easy out. Miami's not an easy out. I mean, we – for some reason we can't get past them. Like, we have these teams that – you know, if you play a good zone, it's going to be a problem. If you can rebound, it's going to be a problem for us. So, while I think we can and should win a title, there's a ton of roadblocks between us and that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I it's think- actually. But just ahead, just honey. you bringing up that you're watching the the Sixers-Cavs game right now, and then me checking the standings as you're talking. But I, I feel like people listening don't understand what we have going on here. I'm a Celtics fan. Jake's Cavs. You're obviously Philly. Spenny's got the Nets. The Sixers are a game back, and the Celtics and Sixers are both playing. You're a game back from second place. You're playing Jake's Cavaliers.
4: They're on you know, a Who island. knows? The Celtics it's might lose to the Timberwolves
0: the tonight. This is. We have, we have the mayhem going, but um, – it's, it's crazy that
4: two through – well, two through seven right now because Milwaukee looks like they're just going to end up the one seed. Sorry, Donnie, Like, it's yeah. just – that's the way it yeah. looks like it's going to trend at this point. Two through seven, yeah. all those matchups, the two, seven, three, six, and four, five. I mean, those series are all great. Yeah. Like, like Donnie or Brandon, neither of you guys want to play Miami. And maybe that's disrespectful yeah. to Spenny's Nets, but it's it's a Miami, like, mental block, I feel like, just going into a series with them, like, knowing what you're getting into. But, like, I wouldn't want to play any Brooklyn, New York, Miami, any of these matchups that we could end up with. Like, you're saying here, like, I feel like, I feel kind of confident, but it's like, you know it's going to be a battle, too, no matter what in those series.
1: Exactly, like none. of them I feel confident about, um, and I know we got a bunch of other teams to get through. So before I yield my time, unequivocally, Joel Embiid is absolutely the MVP of the season, Woo! and I will oh, gladly God. spend a it. half oh, hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever you have time for, defending <laughs> that point.
2: I like that. Honestly, oh, I love give, it. give us, give us. It's like a uh, one reason why, like, as quick as you can. Why but is like the MVP MVP?
1: Simply put, no one's found a way to stop him. There are ways to get to Nikola Jokic where he has weaknesses and where you can put him in uncomfortable positions. Joel doesn't have an uncomfortable position, and I think that is why he's the most valuable player.
3: Uh, What is the argument for Embiid over Giannis when Giannis is the one seed and absolutely just trucking through the east and Embiid's the three seed?
1: So you actually made my point on the second one, absolutely trucking (laughs) his way through the east. Well, because look, if, if you watch Giannis play, it's He's great. I'm not gonna take anything away from him, but like it's just not he doesn't have a lot in his bag, as like so to say, like skill-wise. Embiid has every skill that you could ask somebody to have. He can shoot from three, he can dribble for a big guy. He's elite on defense. Giannis does a couple things extraordinarily well, but he's not as well rounded as Embiid. And since one and three record-wise, I don't care. If Embiid was eight, Giannis was one, that comes in the equation. We're two games apart. Save me the record ball.
0: Also, just to help your case, and I never like helping Philly fans at anything, but Joel, Joel Embiid at halftime right now, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, 70% from the field.
1: Dude's averaging 34 points per game. As no
4: Jared Allen tonight, I will say that. Oh. <laughs> it I is true. You
1: a lot but it's still he cooked
4: Jared Allen either no he cooked Jared Allen too I'm honestly yeah. I'm not too I'm my biggest point about the Cavs quick because these guys have heard me talk about it in the last couple weeks and this is what I'm running by you guys is I will be starting it in June or May to trade Jared Allen because this team is much better the only reason they're in this game with Philly I was going to say is because Allen's not playing and they're playing a small ball lineup with Mobley at the five their offense is completely different that's the only reason they're in this game. Because you saw it a couple weeks ago, Brandon, when they, when we were in Philly. Oh, I mean, and that was Allen. They're too blitzed. Like, ame- that's what happens when they're on the court. Without, with Mobley at the five, with everything he can do offensively, they can just run the offense through him. And you have all those shooters and playmakers around him. And it's beautiful. Allen just clogs everything up. The, the defense is awesome. Three-point yeah. defense, though, is one of the worst in the league. 23rd in the league. And that's the biggest problem with the Cavs defense and the biggest misnomer is that they are this great defensive team, but people shoot a lot of threes on them. And that's how you can run them out of the building. Uh, but this is the lineup that I this. I was surprised. I figured with Allen out, would, they would just get – Embiid would do this, like that they'd get run out of the building. The fact that they're in this game just reinforces my Allen point there, I think, more than anything. Yeah,
1: you guys can score with anybody when the ball is
4: moving.
0: Yeah, Jake, let's uh let's let's keep it with the Cavs then. I mean we we got the Cavs Sixers matchup going on right now. Cavs I saw I mean, I assume it's still the case with I saw this yesterday and some games happened last night, but I assume this holds true. The Cavs have the best net rating in the NBA right now.
4: They Absolutely. they did they did bump right back ahead of your Celtics after last night. They were they were second yesterday though. I was a little sad because I told you guys all year like that's my only thing I've been holding <laughs> all year. <And> then the <laughs> Celtics were up over them yesterday. I was like, fuck, we're done. And then back up today. Yeah. So yeah, but
0: my thing with the Cavs like you got best night rating in the NBA. You guys have been. Unbelievable all year. Definitely some ups and downs games, and we've talked about it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with the inferior opponents. It's frustrating sometimes, just dropping weird games. But best net rating, you have Donovan Mitchell, and that's you know that's a big part of that. That's all I need, really, honestly. Yeah, Garland <laughs> and Mobley get better every game it seems. When I watch the Cavs, what I guess same type of thing. Like where are you at with the Cavs? Is Mitchell the
4: MVP? <laughs> no, but. Uh, and, the, yeah, what's the ceiling? What's the ceiling for the Cavs? I wouldn't mind seeing him on that first team, All-NBA, but um, the ceiling is hopefully they can beat the Bucks in the second round. I think that's the ceiling. Um, they can play with – the thing about the Cavs is I've seen them – even tonight, this, this game against Philly is more encouraging if they were to get into a matchup with them, but they're pretty much locked into that four seed right now. And if they're in a series with Boston and Milwaukee, I think they've shown – All year against both those teams. And even last year against Milwaukee, they beat Milwaukee twice last year, like at full strength. Milwaukee was at Mobley, has had amazing games against Giannis and Lopez. So I feel like I'm not going to say confident that we're going to that we would be able to take them in a series, but I know that they can compete in that series. Just haven't seen them in the playoffs yet, though. And that if it's the Knicks or the Nets in that first round, whoever it is in that first round series is going to be a challenge for the Cavs because both those teams. They've just, they have presented challenges to the Cavs for the last couple of years. I mean, and it's a different Nets team. The Cavs haven't – have we played since the trade has happened? I, mean, I thought there was maybe one game, Spenny. No, I don't no, think we've not yet. seen the New Nets yet. I don't, think, yet. So I don't yet. think so yet. I don't think so, don't think so yet. Um, but the Knicks have given the Cavs hell all year. Um, so I'm not even confident that they're going to get out of the first round. This year is a success for me in the grand scheme of things already to see how they've come together and kind of see – what the potential is, but this is just the beginning, not the end of this, you know, build and everything. But I, they can beat whoever they play in the second round. They can. Will they? I don't know, but they can. I'll say something.
3: I'm sorry, Donnie. No, go ahead. I'll say something nice about the Cavs, and I'll say something mean about the Cavs. I'll start (laughs) with nice. The fact that you guys have Donovan Mitchell this year, and we've seen what he does in the playoffs. He takes his game to the next level. Anything is possible for you guys. Right. Like, like that's the difference. Last year, you're, you're in the play in game with the Nets. It was kind of like you, it was fool's gold. Couldn't score. You don't have a guy. Now you have a guy that can get 50 in the playoffs if he's feeling nice. So that's that's the good. Now let me say the mean. Why do general managers in the NBA think it's a good idea to get a four and a five that both play in the paint? You saw it in Minnesota. I mean, hasn't really worked out for them since Carl Anthony Towns went down. They played a different style of basketball and they've been better. And then for the Cavs, like, wh- why do we have Mobley and Jared Allen on the same team? You know, I-, I feel like fans, we look at this and we think, well, what do they know that we don't? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Because it doesn't work in today's NBA.
4: Nothing. I think Allen, I think they're going to have to take a heart long. I don't know if they'll do it this summer. But if that's what I would do is take a look at it and just be like, if I could turn Allen into a six seven you know, switchable way. I don't even know who it is. Andrew Wiggins. I don't know. Like someone like in that mold. I don't know what, I don't know a name of a guy that's going to be available. Something like that. And I've been talking about it all year with these guys. They could get a guy like that and put him at the four next to Mobley. That's the most, one of the most terrifying starting lineups in the league. And it's because of a has been good too. Like he solidified that. And I was the biggest coral hater in the world for a very long time, but I think Alan, I just don't think Alan's, I think you're exactly right. Spenny. I think the fit has been weird. They've looked kind of okay and made it work, but it's not the best fit by any means.
2: Well, that's what we were talking about last week, right? Jake, like hey, Jared Allen, if you he rank him, he's probably the fourth best player on this Cavs team after mm. Garland, after Mobley, after, after Mitchell and in, in that order, like, I like Jared Allen's the fourth best player and it's tough. When you have your fourth best player, and you can argue second or third best player remotely, it doesn't really matter. You can't have him on the court at the same time because it's just not working. The flow is just not there. And, yeah, he's got great defense, but they're so limited offensively. Yeah, It's one of those where what are you going to do come playoff series, right? What are you going to do come playoff series? Are you really going to stagger – Uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, are you really going to limit Jared Allen's minutes like that? And you're really going to put that much more on Evan Mobley to be the five? Like, how are you going to deal with this? And my big red flag for the Cavs, Jake, the only one I really have, you look at the top six teams in uh, the East. Now, I know the Cavs have been playing really well this year. They have the best point differential in the NBA. They're the best net rating. they're the worst road team of those six teams by far. They are by far the worst road team of those six teams. And that's kind of scary because if the Cavs are stuck as the four seed, which it looks like they're going to be, they're playing in a technically, you know, a road series in the next round. No matter who they go up against, yep. and I think that's kind of a big, big red flag because you look at all the other teams of the East. You kind of can see, all right, this is what the rotation is going to be for these playoff series. This is who we're going to rely on. With the Cavs, it's still a little bit of an unknown of what type of lineups they're going to throw out there.
0: Couldn't agree more. So should we get to the most interesting team in the situation, Spenny? Yes.
2: Brooklyn Bridges, yeah.
3: yeah let's uh let's talk about I it, so, about you know, it. This, is, um, this is happy hour hoops I, I poured another cocktail because I Hell have yeah. to drink when I talk about this uh this organization <laughs> <laughs> um, cheers look am I sad that the superstar era in Brooklyn is over not really am I happy that it happened so I can know what it's like Yeah, I'm I'm glad I experienced it. I understand it was an utter failure. That is the risk you take when you hand over the keys Mm -hmm. of your franchise to two individuals who aren't necessarily on the same page. I mean, let's call it for what it is. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for four years were not on the same page at all. So we move on. I want to focus on, you know, this new look Brooklyn Nets, uh, Mikael Bridges. We are seeing a similar ascension. That we saw from James Harden when he got traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Houston Rockets. That is what we're seeing right now. We're seeing Bridges just excel in this new role. Now, he still has a lot of work to do. He's not a closer yet. The Nets have been going to Spencer Dinwiddie down the stretch in games because he's just more comfortable in those clutch situations. Ball in his hands, he can make a play. Um, Do I think we're going to compete in the playoffs? Probably not. I think we give a team like Philly or Boston or Cleveland a hard time in the first round. But I think we basically lose in, in five or six games. And the reason being, outside of Bridges and Dinwiddie, we just don't have enough scoring. We really don't. Cam yeah. Johnson is 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 very inconsistent. He's he's good. He's probably going to get a bag in the offseason. I don't think that he deserves it. He, I haven't seen enough from him since he's been in Brooklyn to say, okay, he's a guy I want to really build around. Um, Laxton is limited offensively, really talented center, defensive stud. uh, But offensively, I mean, he's a lot better when he's playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, So so I think think what, what eventually hurts the Nets in the playoffs is that lack of scoring depth. However, defensively, they're a very fun team to watch. They've been in almost every single game they've been in. They had tough, close losses to the Bucks and to the 76ers. They've beaten the Nuggets. They've beaten the Celtics. And they've beaten the Timberwolves. It's, it's been a fun stretch of, of Nets basketball since the trade has happened. I'll say a lot more fun than I expected because I expected them just to lose every single game after they made that trade. But, uh, you know, I want to give credit to Jacques Vaughn for keeping these guys together. It has not been an easy job for him this year, but – Yeah, that's that's my overall take on the Brooklyn Nets. I need a drink.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I will say, I think... Post trade, the Nets are exceeding expectations, right? Everyone expected him to fall kind of off a cliff. No one saw this surge from Mikael Bridges. Who and thought Bridges
4: to, was going I mean, to be this? I mean, I thought he was going to be better. But... Bridges,
2: guys, here. Donnie yeah. and I have been loving Bridges from the start. We call him the perfect yeah. teammate to have. Did I expect mikhail Bridges to be 26 5 and 3 on 51 45 and 90 shooting splits? Yeah, Absolutely really not. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's turning into a star. And what I love about Mikael Bridges, he's already figured out the defense. That's why he was one of the best players for the Phoenix Suns was his defense. So I love this. And the big thing for the Nets too, you just got to hold on to the guy, right? This may not be your year, but it's not like you completely failed the Kevin Durant Kyrie thing. That kind of blew up, but I think they got a really good return. You got a lot of promising young talent. We saw what Cameron Thomas did for just a little spurt, like a couple weeks' spurt when he had to be the go-to guy in offense. And say what you want about him, but the Mavs lost their two best defenders with Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney Smith. So this team has a lot of promise. The problem is the East, the top of the East is Jeff dominated with star power guys, and I don't think Mikel Bridges is there yet as much as I love him, but it's got to be, for the first time, I think, in a while for Nets fans, you're seeing a little bit of brightness in the future. It's not just like it's this year or bust. You're seeing a little bit of brightness, and that has to make you feel good because – even if they don't, you know, win a playoff series, or even if they don't, you know, get as far as you'd like the playoffs, if they could just give one of these top dogs in the East a good fight, you have to call that a success from where the Nets were, and then having the trade happen and just losing, you know, say what you want about either guy, they're two top ten players in the NBA. Yeah,
0: must it must feel good just having? I saw a stat. Shout out StatMuse for this, but. Just the stat that the Brooklyn Nets have more wins than the Dallas Mavericks since the trade. That's got to feel about good. About
3: did, did you see the other stat mu stat that Mikhail Bridges has scored more points than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving since the trade?
0: Yep. I also <laughs> saw that one.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not keeping track, but. <laughs> oh, no, you're keeping track.
4: <laughs> There's an XL with just all their points total. Every night. <laughs> Steve,
0: Steve mentioned this guy, too. What are. Cause I, I've had mixed emotions on uh, Cam Thomas before, before and after the trade, and it's just interesting because you know he had that huge blow up like days before Kyrie got traded, and then continued it after Kyrie got traded. He's obviously quieted down, but they they did get more guard play in return in the, in the big trade. So yeah, wh- I guess where are you at? I, I loved him in college. I I think he has crazy potential but it seems like he's very hot and cold and is there a future in
3: brooklyn for cam thomas you think that's a great question donnie i don't think that there is a future in brooklyn for cam thomas and i say that because he, he he's a tough player to start at the two right he's an undersized combo guard defensively he gets cooked every time oh, he's out there he's so not great bad. on defense offensively he he's been better this year but he has a tendency to, to have, uh, you know, I forget tunnel vision, just looking at the rim, not passing to anybody. Um, he's been a little bit better at that decision-making this year. But he gets hot. He scores 40. They lose a few games. It was impressive. He, he can do that. He has that ability. But on a nightly basis, I, I don't know what I'm going to get from him on defense. His offense is fluky. Um, and a lot of the shots that he has to take, they're created off the dribble. That's his entire game. I have not seen him be able to play off the ball in catch-and-shoot situations. And that's a reason why I freaking love Mikael Bridges. Because Bridges yeah. does not need the ball in his hands to dominate. He can curl off screens, hit the midy off the catch. Same with the three in the baseline. His baseline three is looking amazing lately. I have not seen that from Cam Thomas. So the reason I don't think he has a future in Brooklyn, there are a lot of parts of his game he has to evolve. And I think right now his ceiling is like Lou Williams. He is, he is his sixth man who can come off the bench. He can get you 18 to 20 if you need him. But outside of that, like, you're not trusting him really in crunch time uh, because he, he's a very one-dimensional player. And that's been his flaw ever since he he's, was drafted by the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see just, like, a little more consistency. I think that's the biggest issue with him. Let's – uh. Let's chat about some of these teams on the outskirts, the playing teams, not not of our teams that are competing at the the highest of levels. Um, Let's talk Raptors, Hawks, Heat. I think those are the guys or those are the teams that will probably be in the play and that have a better chance, I would say, than like the Wizards and Bulls who are, you know, kind of sitting on the outside there. Pacers, I guess, if you want to throw them in, they could still make the playing tournament. Just what... Out of those three teams, Raptors, Hawks, Heat, I think I think I might know Jake's answer to this. But where where the rest of you guys at for as far as which one of those teams are you least want to see, and who do you trust the most, or are they
2: all just Miami. fringe bad teams? Yeah, well, we
1: should all have the same. So answer, far away right? from me.
2: Yeah, that's a yeah. My it's Miami and a gap for me. Heat culture, the defense, they got three guys who can pretty much beat you now with Hero when he gets hot. I mean, he's making everything. Jimmy Butler. We, Jimmy Butler's on fire right now and no one's talking yeah, about nice. it. And Bam's taking a step this year. It's, it's heat culture. I think we all yeah, have I mean,
1: that. And the one thing, I mean, everything you just said is absolutely correct, but the, the only thing that the Heat have that I can't say Toronto has, I can't say in the – They have a closer. None of those other guys, they're all unproven guys who might take a step, who might do something. Did he have Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a completely different animal that I want no parts of. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say
4: not the Hawks. So that was my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not Atlanta, bro.
0: I'm with you though the, the the last thing that you guys didn't say about well I think you guys might have mentioned it but just Eric Spolstra in general man like I just feel like yeah no matter since the LeBron days past the LeBron days like it doesn't matter if that guy has a competing group like he is just scary a scary sight to see in the playoffs on the sideline arms crossed like I feel like he just always has the guys ready I do think that you know, I mean, the record displays it as well, but I think the Heat have definitely dropped off a little bit since last year. Do I want to see them in a series still? Not really, but I, I'm i less scared of the Heat this year than I was last year. And obviously, you know, the Celtics Heat seven game series was almost a nightmare for me. So <laughs> I should probably watch what I say here, but that's that's just how I see it. Um, and yeah, if I if I had to put them in order, it'd probably be Heat, Raptors, Hawks. I'm, I'm with you, Jake. I think Dejounte Murray, Trey
2: Young may have been a, a disaster pairing. Not going really great to it. put together. Yeah, but you you told us about it, Jake. You were the one who warned us. You're like defensively, this team's going to be an absolute mess. It Might be fun. It might look like a cool signing, but it, it wasn't
4: even been- fun. No, it wasn't. It <laughs> hasn't been fun. <laughs> I was at least yeah. hoping for fun. Shit, yeah. dude.
0: And um, I guess I'll briefly talk about how how sketchy the Celtics have been lately because I'm sure the people who do listen are, are tired of me taking my, my victory laps this season. So, yeah, man, I just I – th- I think the Celtics have taken some really bad losses to some really bad teams. Jake, we were on here a couple weeks ago after – the. The uh, famous Grant Williams.
4: I'm going to make oh, both oh. and then misses,
0: <laughs> misses both Um, to lose the game. Which I do wins. want to
4: formally apologize. I did not mean to tweet that out from the happy hour hoops account. <laughs> and I was just uh, inebriated at the point. And then the next morning I realized it. And Dunny was like jail on our own account. I was like, oh, no, that was supposed to just be me. Just I was going through it that night, you guys, though. You should have seen my group chat because I was done with the Cavs. And I'm still kind of done with the Cavs after that night, but anyways, keep going. Just wanted to formally yeah, apologize. That was that was, that was a an unnecessary was assault, friendly fire.
0: Um, <laughs> no, that, it was fair though. That's like a, that's that was an all time viral clip. That was just an all time brain dead, <laughs> dumbass play by Grant Williams. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started there. Oh, even before that, like you could see the decline a little bit. It just seems like the biggest difference between the Ime Adoka led Celtics and the Joe Missoula, I mean, it's pretty clear cut. It's just offense, defense. Like, Ime was the type of guy who was stone. Like, he, his, his team played like how he looked on the sidelines. He was stone cold, like, faced, no emotions, would pull the Jays aside when shit was getting out of hand, and the whole team just clamped up and played defense like it was nobody's business. Joe yeah. Missoula, it's Missoula ball. It's live by the three, die by the three. We have crazy offensive talent on this team we have a bunch of shooters and when the guys aren't hitting it it gets pretty bad and you lose to the houston rockets on the road Mm. um and i just think i hope missoula this is what i talked about with you guys a couple weeks ago like i hope missoula it's just you know first year coaching it's young growing pains i'm hoping he can find a way to ignite the guys like eme could when it when it's comes playoff time and it matters most but I think if this keeps up, I don't trust us in, you know, the second, third round of the playoffs as much as I should with this group that we have. I'll, I, you know, I'm not panic button or anything right now, but, the, you know, the, the bad play definitely needs to be addressed. And if, especially if we take an L to the Timberwolves tonight without, you know, Cat hasn't returned, basically
4: just have to stop Anthony Edwards. Let's yeah, because... what's, what's go with 44 points at the half right now. That's not
0: – Yeah. Not ideal. I just saw a stat too. Uh Smart, Tatum, and Horford are o- combined O of eleven from three, so oh. not great. Yeah. Not but I yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with the C's. I I guess yeah. before we hop off here, how scared are all of us of the Milwaukee Bucks? One to ten. Let's go around the horn. They're still Gym my title
4: favorite. Up. They've they've been I've pretty been pretty consistent with that all year, so 10, I guess.
0: <laughs> Steve, you can speak for us. What what would you what would you say if your team to go
2: up against
4: the up the uh, I, I
2: I mean I was down on the Bucks coming in the year I thought they were going to kind of show signs of their age. I didn't really trust Middleton, and Middleton really hasn't been 100% yet either. Holiday stepped up big time this year. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. I mean, for the rest of the East, I think the Bucks are still the favorite, but I, I'd say I'd say a 7. A Seven out of ten for how scared I am because I really do think there's a lot of elite teams in the East right now, and it's just who gets hot at the right time, who steals that road game.
1: So give me a Yeah, seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that seven. Um, just because we match up well, and the Bucs are able to bully a lot of teams physically, and the Sixers they're gonna have to beat us some other way than that. So for me, it's a seven.
3: Uh, two years ago the nets were up two nothing against the bucks in the playoffs uh they had just blown them out by like 40 points there was talk about mike budenholzer losing his job uh you know fast <laughs> I, I forward the bucks that. the bucks win the championship <laughs> you know obviously last year they, they didn't have what it took but uh they are as perfect a basketball team as you can be mm-hmm. I, I mean everybody on their team is a good basketball player like they have Javon Carter, who's a backup for uh, for Drew Holiday. He comes in. He's shooting a ridiculous clip from the field from three point range. Pat Connaughton, great role player. Jake Crowder was an awesome, awesome midseason addition. So yeah, I agree with Jake. I'm a I'm a ten. Like, as, as a Nets fan, I think we can compete with the Sixers. I think we can compete with the Celtics. I think the Bucks sweep us like they're just taking a walk in the park. They're such a good basketball team. Giannis is playing at such a ridiculous level. And can we talk about Brook Lopez being one of the most underappreciated crazy, centers in the league? He's yeah. A, Where did this stud? come from?
4: What, what happened?
3: All-time but. Nets leading scorer Brook Lopez, by the way, might win <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, yeah I'm probably terrified of the Defensive up. Player of the Year. Probably will. Probably will. Probably will Steve. Yeah.
0: And the way he, the way he's done it too, like he used to be strictly low block, and now this dude shoots 30 foot threes from the wing, like with a guy, with a guy's hand in his face. Like it just, it makes no sense. But yeah, that is, that is true. Brook Lopez needs more love just around the nice entire league. Nice. Um, that me talking up Brooke Lopez is trying to avoid the number that I'm supposed to give about how scared I am of the Brook or the Milwaukee Bucks. And honestly, I'm going to keep it out of seven though. I think I'm the same, same boat as Brandon here. I think the Celtics match up great. They proved last year that this, at least nucleus and core of this Celtics team can stop Milwaukee. They did it in seven games. It was a hard fought series Um, But the Celtics with different teams, but still with the Jays have found ways to stop Giannis in the past Um, And a big part of it is Al Horford. And I know he's old, you know, I know he's not the best perimeter defender, but you have guys like Grant Williams, you have guys like Blake Griffin, who's willing to put his body on the line and Al Horford, along with the Jays to throw at Giannis that's what it comes down to for me It's like you're you're you win a series against the Milwaukee Bucks by slowing down Giannis as much as you possibly can I think we have the personnel for that so I'm not you know obviously not thrilled if we have to play them but
4: still a little scared so I'll call it a seven that's fair all right well Brandon it's funny thank you for joining the the show here do you guys want to get your plugs in here before we let you go
1: yeah yeah, thanks for having us. Um, you can always see Spence and myself at a two hours no traffic. We are typically live this exact time um, every Wednesday, and you know we'd love to have you guys on sometime yourselves.
4: Hell yeah, absolutely. Just, just let us know, Spenny. Anything
0: from you, or just echoing that?
3: Echoing what Brandon said, uh, you know, this is this is a big time for, for Nets basketball and Giants football, and I'm just excited for the future.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah! Well, thanks for coming on, boys. Appreciate it. It's been another episode of the Triple H podcast. Happy Hour Hoops! Thanks for listening.
3: Peace.